When I set out to do this podcast, I wanted to try and find the answer to a question. What is it like to be facing the end? You know, I don't want to sound like I have a lot of bravado, but I'm really not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of of not making the most of life. It's weird. It's like I felt like I failed them or something. Like you brought me into this world and somehow I allowed this to get to this state. I have days where it's tolerable enough that I don't have to take any medication. Those are the best days, you know, where I'm, I get to be me and completely me. I said to my friend, what the fuck? Seriously, this is what I'm being tested with now, this. And I was driven to help share these stories. Growing up, I just saw uh, that people get sick and people die. And uh, it happens to everybody. And so when it happened to me, uh, I didn't have a why me moment. And also I wanted people to know that Dylan had terminal cancer because I didn't want anybody to say, oh champ, you're gonna beat this or you're gonna win this fight. No, he wasn't. Because stories can inspire, they can expand views, and they can connect us to one another. And they can also teach. Are you in fear of my death or are you in fear of death in general? And, you know, my death is just something that you can't handle. Nobody specifically really talks to you about life expectancy or, you know, sits you down and says, this is how long you've got left. These type of issues cannot be analyzed. They have to be pondered in silence. I learned a lot during this project, and it's because of the people behind the stories. I'm Alexandra. And this is the final episode of Six Months or Less. You're going to hear some more of these clips from past interviews with the people who are given months to years to live. Because they are the windows into what we will all one day experience. Death. So then, why is it time for me to say goodbye to Six Months or Less? (laughs) That's me and my husband, Eric. I asked him to ask me a couple questions for this episode. Okay, well, let's just jump right into it. About why I'm ending the show and what I've learned. Well, the first question is, why are you ending this podcast? Well, I've been thinking a lot about endings lately and especially how do we know when it's time to end something, especially if that thing feels really important and meaningful. But before I get into this conversation, as well as share some more clips from past guests, I first have to say, endings are hard. This whole podcast, in a way, has been about endings. Lives coming to an end. Six months or less has just been such a big part of my life the past couple of years. And while the show hasn't been solely about me, I have been a part of it and it's changed me. If you've listened from the beginning, you probably have a sense of what I like to think about, and maybe a sense of what parts of my life look like. You've heard my son Leon grow. When I started this whole thing, he was only two and a half. when they go to sleep. You heard my daughter Margot be born. Wow. Hi. Hi. 
and he heard some of my struggles related to this project. So today I am going out and trying to find people to interview, um, and I'm feeling a little bit nervous. How does one find people who are nearing the end of their life and who actually want to talk about it? But here I am, at episode 23. I did it. This podcast and the people I've met through it have been such a gift. Back to my conversation with my husband, Eric. And remember when I asked you the other day just about what is the thing in your life that you do where time doesn't exist anymore? Mm-hmm. And so this podcast is that thing for me. So I wake up thinking about it. I go to sleep thinking about it. And so it's just been so intellectually, emotionally creatively rewarding but I think it's time for me to just free up some of that mental space for other things like Mm -hmm. you and (laughs) of course (laughs) and wanting to spend as much quality time with the kids as possible before they start school and maybe running again So I think time is definitely a piece of it, but I think even more so when I set out to do this podcast, my original vision was not a podcast that would just go on and on and on. Because I think my hope is that someone who is maybe a little curious about death or maybe a little afraid to think about death stumbles upon this podcast and looks at it and says, okay... You know, there's 23 episodes. I can manage that versus like a podcast about death that's like 400 episodes. (laughs) So I think just wanting it to be something that people could experience in a way that was easy for them and more approachable. Mm -hmm. When I set out to answer this question of what is it like to be dying, I just ended up finding more questions that I was curious about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, what questions have you found? Well, I'm really curious about what happens to our sense of time when we're nearing the end of our life. And just how do we infuse meaning into our life, knowing that it's a finite span of time, but also not put too much pressure on ourselves. And then I... I also wonder about this idea, whether is it possible that if we overemphasize that death is this really sensitive topic, do we then potentially, as a result, miss out on all the things that people who are dying have to offer? And then also I think about, you know, is it worthwhile to try and change like the bits of ourselves that we know are going to make potentially make dying more difficult. And I think for myself, you know, I think you know I like to know what to expect. <laughs> and I know that death is unpredictable and of course there are certain things that the, the way the body shuts down near the end, but in general it's unpredictable and that's not that's typically a harder thing for me to <laughs> wrestle with. I like to know what to expect. So is this something I should try and work on 
to sort of be more open to just being in the present moment and not feeling like this need to know what's going to happen <laughs> next and what that looks like, <laughs> knowing that that might make dying one day a little bit easier. So do you think that uh, there's things that we could all work on and, you know, that would improve our experience of death that would actually also improve our experience of life? Well, that's the big question, I think. Probably anything that really gets you outside of yourself, like outside of your own ego, and maybe being more open to the present, to the here and the now, and uncertainty, and being open to not having all the answers. I think that part of myself that likes to know what to expect is a big part of who I am and I think it serves me well in a lot of ways because I plan ahead and I can envision the future and what I want it to look like and how I want it to look and we can try and form our life in the best way possible to kind of meet that vision but also at the same time like I know that there are downsides to that part of my personality yeah, I mean, I I see you as someone who does like to know what to expect, but then when the moment arises and your plans are thrown out the window and everything changes, you know, I'm thinking in particular of like the birth of our kids, you know, especially Leon, the first one, you know, you had all these plans and you had you know, together, but it was a lot you because you like to plan ahead. (laughs) Like you had it all thought out and you had your little signs with encouraging words on them and you had, you know, just your salt crystal lamp and your soundtrack all picked out. And of course, like none of that happened. Yeah. It came too quickly. But I feel like you rose to the occasion and, you know, really embraced the change in that moment. And I would expect when your time comes, you know, yeah, and it's the end of your life, you'll probably have a million plans, but then, and I would just expect you to, to roll with it yeah. <laughs> if you had to. Well, but. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that it just raises another question for me about whether fear of death is something that we should try and conquer or if there's just always going to be a little healthy fear of death that is just going to be part of life and living and Mm -hmm. that it's a level of kind of accepting that and developing a relationship with that feeling and understanding that that's part of living is knowing that well it's sad that at some point it's all going to come to an end yeah, and I mean, you and I have talked about that question a lot because it's like, I think we had a whole discussion about like, my position was kind of like, if you're going to be afraid of anything, death should be it. Like, that should be, mm-hmm. why would you expect not to be afraid of that, I guess? Like, if, unless you had some sort of like underlying religious belief or something comforting that you could believe in, I'm like, yes, of course it's terrifying and sad because it's the end of your consciousness and Mm -hmm. um but then you sort of made me think about it a little bit more like well we ease our minds about a lot of other things in various ways and like 
why would death be any different? Why should we go into it kind of <laughs> expecting it to be this uh, very difficult process when, you know, maybe we could change our perception a little bit. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not sure where I've landed on that question, but mm-hmm. <laughs> did make me think about it. Yeah, I think it goes back to what is the level of fear? Is it a level of fear that is, I don't even know what's within normal range, but is it a level of fear that you or I or whoever else can cope with, or is it a debilitating level of fear? Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, and maybe, I guess I think of myself as having maybe a lower level of fear about it and worrying about it less than you, so... (laughs) I guess naturally I'm just like a little bit like, well, it's fine. Yeah, it's going to be when that time comes. I'm not worried about it now. It's just like I know when that time comes, it's going to be hard. But, you know, right now it doesn't consume my worries at all. Like I worry about other things Mm -hmm. and and not that as much. Maybe you should worry about it more. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so. (laughs) So... Do you still think death in general is a taboo topic? Yes, but I think less so than I did before. Death may be a taboo topic to talk about, but I don't think death is a taboo topic to think about. And I have a feeling that a lot more people are thinking about it than I might imagine or that we might imagine. And I always go back to when I was researching people to interview, I remember that I was on Reddit once and there was someone who had multiple cancers and she was dying and she posted on this Ask Me Anything Reddit page. She said, I'm dying, ask me anything. And I was really curious how people were going to respond if this was something that people would be curious about. And I just remember there were so many questions that were posted. And so clearly there was a curiosity and an interest and people wanted to know what is it like to be dying. So I think people are thinking about it and they're, we're all trying to figure out how to talk about it with each other. And I think we're getting better and we have a long way to go, but I do think it's maybe less taboo than I thought when I first set out to do it. And also, when I talk about it being taboo, I'm specifically talking about adults because I think through doing this and answering Leon's questions about death, I've learned that it's children just have this beautiful and really natural way of talking about death. And it is not a taboo topic to them. And it's a, it's a window into what could be <laughs> when I talk with Leon, just his ability to ask the questions, be curious, feel the feelings, and let the feelings go. And so I think that <laughs> the topic is taboo for adults, but for children it is not. So many topics like that. <laughs> Our kids could just like talk about it and adults can't. <laughs> Um, What did you learn from the people you interviewed who had a terminal illness? People who are dying have a lot to offer. 
And I wish this was more obvious in our society. I think it's easy to erect these sort of barriers around people who are dying. And my observations from what I've learned with this podcast is that people are very much alive until they are dead. And I think that's a really important thing to remember. I did learn that the way a person approaches the end of their life is a lot like how they approached the rest of their life. And I know that this it's like such a simple real, realization, but yet it's just very profound to me because it's like however they made decisions before they got a terminal diagnosis is very similar to how they are making decisions now how they communicate with their family, how much control they want. It's just so unique to the individual. And this is really interesting to me because when I set out to do this, I wondered, like, is there this major transformation that happens? And I'm sure it does sometimes. I'm sure that's a part of it. But it also seems like a lot of people are who they are until the end. There were some themes that came up. I can't make global generalizations, but I think there were some themes about control. I've lost control over everything with this cancer. Uh, Everything. You can go to to get a PhD and do this and do that and that, and when you finish, an accident happens and you die. Nothing is in your control and how a lot of us often assume that we have a future and that we have control over that future. You just feel like everything that you took for granted isn't like a fact anymore, like you having a future. It's really important to be in the present moment and of course to have plans, but realize that those plans can change and how are you gonna adapt to those changes and to really be present Living in the moment. How, how can I live in the moment? And, and that's one way is to let go of the moments that have passed by. I'm just a person that functions in denial. And I listen to my heart. And the importance of finding meaning, like what matters in your life right now. I found it very helpful to have other work to do and I wanted to add value and I wanted to have a reason to get up every day and do normal things like normal people. And what's important to you? So I think for me, I've always thought, you know, my kids are going to get to know me through my work. He said, I don't want my life to be pointless. You know, confronting (laughs) your mortality very quickly You spend more time on the conversations that matter and less time on the conversations that don't. All of these painful moments have really provided just straight up meaning to my life. If you're not filling your life with those things right now, what can you do? What's within your power to change your life so you do? And there was a lot of, there was a theme of gratitude that came up. I mean, some of these people were going through such difficult experiences and yet there was gratitude. You know, he was 16 years old. He could have gotten into his truck one day and gone 
left the house and gone out with friends and gotten into a car accident and been killed and never come home. And I wouldn't have had a chance to hug him and to tell him that I love him. And now I've had a third Christmas and we kind of just feel grateful for every extra thing we have at the moment, I think, rather than looking too far ahead to how many more might be coming. And that life is a gift. And I just thought that was really profound and just the connection and the love that people have for their families. It just Mm -hmm. shows that social connections really are everything. Any sadness, any despair, any anxiety that I carry with it is for my wife and my kids. I want to see one more sunset, you know, and I want my children to know until the very last moment that I love them and my husband. The last two people you just heard were Glenn Buckland and Mimi Ankerholtz. They both died this year. When I first started writing this final episode, I didn't include this detail. And I thought, how could I have left this out? Maybe it was a way for me to protect myself. This is the piece of the podcast that's hard for me to explain. The feeling I get when the people I interview die. I mean, it's obvious, right? They have a terminal illness, so they are going to die, probably sooner rather than later. And I don't really know them all that well. But when I talk about death with someone, and when they share something as intimate as what it's like to be dying, something kind of like magic gets exchanged. Something like love. And so I just feel really sad about them being gone. After Glenn died, his daughter told me, I just really need to hear his voice. And so when someone on this podcast dies, I re-listen to their episode, and their voice almost brings them back to life. Was there anything that surprised you? Yeah, I think a lot surprised me. When I was researching photographs for my website, I think I typed in people with a terminal illness to some photo (laughs) website, or maybe I typed in people who are dying. And a lot of the images that came up were people looking at clouds (laughs) and... (laughs) People sitting on a cliff looking into the vastness of a canyon or something. And it was just really funny looking at all these photographs. And it was really about just reflecting. And so I think I assumed that when you're facing the end, when your mortality is a lot more immediate, I think it's easy to assume that the person spends most of their time either reflecting or contemplating. And of course, that's the case for some people, and that that happens. But for a few of the people I interviewed, they were just so busy with regular life stuff. 
like making breakfast for their kids or taking them to school or planning a garden or just trying to live, going to treatment after treatment, feeling side effects, feeling crummy, feeling sick, wanting to feel better or paperwork for insurance or disability benefits. So I think that's one of the things that surprised me is that not all this time is spent reflecting that there's a lot of just daily tasks of living that have to happen regardless of whether you're facing the end. And I think there is a lot I found really meaningful in talking to the people that I did and to just the wisdom that they have. And I think, like I said, they have so much to offer. But I also realized that when someone shares wisdom like that, I think also you have to look at, well, how can we as a society make their lives better? Of course, what can we learn from them? But what can we do to make their lives better? What can we do to make their lives easier during the last six months, year of their life? And I think this could be a whole other podcast, but I just, I've been thinking a lot about that is like, how do we make their lives better? Mm-hmm. Are you less afraid of death at this point after recording 20 plus episodes and talking to all these people? I wish I could say yes. <laughs> and maybe, I don't know, maybe in certain ways I am. I think I do find comfort in thinking about how when I die one day that my body will turn into soil and and thinking about living on through our children in certain ways, but ultimately it still makes me really sad to think that I'm not going to exist one day. I mean, I can't, I haven't found any sort of argument yet that makes me feel like, all right, I'm okay with dying one day. (laughs) I just, I haven't found something that's really provided me with a lot of comfort around actual death. And I think it's just a lifelong sort of project or a lifelong thing to accept. Uh, But I do find that I'm more grateful for life. And I look at birthdays differently. Before, I definitely had that sentiment of, oh my gosh, I'm turning another year older (laughs) and I have some gray hairs and where did those come from? And of course, I'm probably still going to do that because I'm human, but I think I do feel like, gosh, I am so lucky that I've made it to 37 because there are people who don't. And really, we should be grateful for every year that we're alive. Mm -hmm. Do you think I seem different? Do I seem less afraid of death to you? Well, I mean, it's <laughs> it's hard to tell. You you certainly like talk about death a lot more now since you started this podcast. So, whereas before you, you know, I knew it was something that worried you, especially about like other people and your loved ones dying, you know. Mm-hmm. But now, like since you've done this, this is you know, obviously 
a big thing you're interested in and um, you think about it a lot. So I would say your maybe your time spent thinking about death has increased, but at the same time, I guess I get the sense that you, you know, having interviewed all these people, um, that you kind of, your understanding of the possibilities of the different ways of dying and the different experiences people have, have probably expanded. Mm-hmm. I know mine have, you know, like you think of it as a sort of like ambiguous, scary thing that's going to happen. And it's just sort of like a negative, you know, it's just like, oh, I don't want, I, don't, I do not look forward to that. And mm-hmm. I'm worried about it. and It scares me. Yeah. Um, but once you actually start talking to people, it sort of humanizes it a little bit. Yes. Um, and you can see there's nuance, there's planning you can do. You know, it's obviously out of your control. It's not in your control completely, but there are ways you can prepare. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm probably speaking more for myself now, but like you hear certain people's stories and, you know, they can be inspiring, actually. You know, they're going through a very difficult time, maybe, but you can take away a lesson from what they have said in the way they're approaching it and think yeah. like, oh, in an ideal world, you know, I'll probably never match this person for like their ability to, you know, remain positive through an extremely difficult period. But, you know, you at least have a model for like, okay, this is, this is, they're doing it well, you know, and mm-hmm. like maybe I could do it slightly better than Mm -hmm. (laughs) I probably would have without hearing their story yeah um but yeah I mean you're you're just you're definitely a worrier and (laughs) I don't think you've given up worrying about it (laughs) so no I haven't (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) I think that's it okay Okay, so while I'm not really any less afraid of death, I do think more often, I'm really lucky to be alive. So many things had to go right for all of us humans to be here. And for right now, that's going to be enough for me. The people you heard on this episode were Dave Warnock, Jennifer Dunn, Mimi Ankerholtz, Aaron Baldeschweiler, Adam Hayden, Susan Lawrence, Glenn Buckland, Claire Fisher, and Manuel Santaella. Thank you to my husband, Eric, for supporting me throughout this podcast, for encouraging me to do it even when things got difficult, and for actually wanting to talk about death with me. And thank you to my kids, to Leon for your sensitivity, curiosity, and sense of wonder, and to Margot for always asking why, for your joy and for your affection. I want to also thank my parents for giving me the courage to ask the hard questions, and to my in-laws, or my bonus parents, for helping watch the kids while I worked on this show. I couldn't have done it without them. And of course, thank you to my guests, to the ones with a terminal illness, for sharing an important part of who you are. And to the guests who work in the field of death and dying, I appreciate you. 
and thank you to my listeners. You decided to join me somewhere along the way, and that means a lot. Knowing you are listening really helped keep me going. If you've liked this podcast, I would love for you to share it with others and give it a rating or review in Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners find the show, and I hope that it helps keep these conversations going. I'm Alexandra, and this is Six Months or Less. Take good care, everyone.